welcome to Medicine with the Metals. I'm Mark, and this is Michelle. Join us and others on our psychedelic journeys. Hey, Michelle. Another week we've got here, huh? Sure thing. Got another cool guest today. Third time's a charm for her. Yeah, that's right. We're going to bring her back uh, very shortly after commercial break. But first, let's just touch base. Mm, Yeah, some good things going on this week in our world. So we had our first official Monday night, or was it our second one? Second. Monday night, Psychedelic Mondays, you guys. It is a time for our community to come on and and just talk with us. Yeah, it's an open forum for you guys, you know, to understand the space, ask questions, get to know what's going on. Get to know us. Yeah, get to know us. We've got a big following out there, about almost 20,000 plus people on social media and growing every day. Also, you know, we the Geo Directory, you know, that's really that first uh, couple ads went out today for uh, the launch on that. That's right. Route to Recovery. It is officially going to be launching April 1st. Yeah, April 1st. Yep, April 1st. That's right. It's going to be free until April 1st for any listings there, which is yep. really cool. And then once that gets going. That's going to be just a phenomenal thing. Why don't we introduce our guest today? Yeah, after we get back from a short commercial break, we've got Vanessa Kreitz. We'll be right back. As we enter the new year, it's the ideal moment to accept change and go on a journey of self-discovery with Mama Dose. Break out from the monotonous routine and create a goal that prioritizes your mental health and well-being. Mama Dose allows you to experience the transformative impact of trying something new, unleashing the possibilities of positive transformation in your life. Consider Mama Dose as a catalyst for regeneration, guiding you through subtle yet impactful transformations. Allow Mama Dose to be your companion this new year as you navigate unexplored areas of personal growth and healing. Small doses, big results. Today's guest is a psycho-spiritual integration coach. She is a medicine facilitator of sacred ceremonies, and she's also a friend of ours, and she's been in long-term sobriety, and she's here to talk to us about all the above, including microdosing and recovery. Welcome, Vanessa. Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Mark and Michelle. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's a delight to be here with you. Thank you. So yes. tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's yeah, start let's there. start with that. So my name is Vanessa Kreitz. I am a person in long-term recovery. And what that means is that I have not had a drink of alcohol now for almost two decades. And um, so coming up on 20 years of sobriety and right at about the 12 year mark, I was called to sacred medicines and um, had a partner in treatment resistant, who had treatment resistant depression, who uh, was really suffering. And we admitted him to a psych ward. And I sat down at my computer that day and I did a search for alternative treatments for treatment resistant depression. And the work that Johns Hopkins is doing came to um, came into my awareness and that opened Pandora's box for me. And as a person in long-term recovery who has been on an AA path for so, so many years, coming from very abstinent sobriety culture, it was it was an interesting 
perspective to have for sure. And I did a bunch of research and was called to the medicine myself. I am a psycho-spiritual integration specialist. I am a microdose guide and a ceremony facilitator. I work a lot, I work with everybody, but the the core ethos of like my heart work is working with people who are in recovery who want to make a safe and informed entry into the therapeutic and spiritual application of psychedelic medicines. And that is the core of my work. I really believe that, you know, I was I was called to to bring this message forth. And a little bit more about me. I am nomadic. Um, Atlanta is home base, but a year and a half ago, I sold my house, most of my stuff, put my treasures in a 10 by 10 storage unit, left Atlanta, and I've been traveling around for the past year and a half, really on a spiritual quest and carrying medicine and um, doing my work. Love it all. You know, 20 years of sobriety, What that's such a beautiful thing. You know, and then 12 years ago, just diving into these medicines and understanding them and kind of break, breaking away, but understanding that whole concept of the AA and bringing it together in that kind of fashion, which, you know, Michelle has a lot of um, background in AA. She's was a big part of AA. I wasn't. I felt like an outsider there when I but God was a part of AA, but you know, that's, I think that's just my story, but you know, Michelle can dive into this a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I was a big part of AA was a big part of my life as well. Um, I was a, a member of that 12 step program and another one for gosh, 15 years before I found plant medicines. And, you know, I was looking for a different way to live my life and I found it. And I think that, that everybody can benefit from the 12 steps of AA. It is a beautiful way to live your life. I also um, started looking for something different. Um, I just felt like there had to be more. And then my mother took her life and I knew there had to be more. So I think we right. found each other actually at the same place, a church in Orlando, Soul Quest. I'd love yeah. to hear, I want to dive into the logistics of AA and Bill Wilson and psychedelics and all of that. But I want to hear about your experiences with, with plant medicines and what it did for you. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I and I I can't really share just about my experience with plant medicine without also presencing the deep work that I did do in 12 step and also recognizing that so many people will come into that fellowship and not have the experience that I had. Right? I'm so so clear about that. And when I was called to the medicines, I had spent about a year of research, um, not only for my partner who um, has not been hospitalized since, by the way, which is incredible. And not only to help him, but I, I was being called too because I, I was at a place in my spiritual journey, in my recovery, where I was 12 years sober, I was um, doing all of the things, I prayer and meditation, sponsorship on both sides of the equation. I was a co-chair for a national women's conference that I co-founded. I was leading two big book studies and another meeting every single week and very, very involved. And I knew that this was a little bit fringe, which I'm, I'm no... Um, 
I'm certainly familiar That's with fringe, fringe. Um, and so th so that wasn't terrible. And and I just I called my sponsor and and what I'm about to share, I also recognize is not by a long shot. What most people's experience is with fellows or sponsors or friends who are in recovery. And so I am speaking to the heart of what the traditions actually say and masterful, masterful sponsorship. I called my sponsor and I said, I'm being called to do um, a microdose protocol with psilocybin. And I, I know that there's silt in the folds that I can't quite get to. And I've sort of reached the spiritual plateau. And, and I, I want to I wanna approach this and, and see um, if, if the benefits that I'm reading about apply to me. And, and what she said was, Vanessa, I know nothing about this path that you're getting ready to embark on. And the only thing I ask you to consider each step of the way is, is it bringing you closer to the light or away from it? And I said, okay. And so I began and I found a therapist who um, was willing to do an underground psilocybin macrodose facilitate a psilocybin macrodose experience for me. It was not the right set and setting, but great learning experience. I'm a ceremony girl, come to find out through and through. And so this more clinical space wasn't, wasn't really, uh, didn't really speak to me. However, I then um, heard the call, answered the call to ayahuasca. And she has been one of my primary teachers now for five years. And so in that space, and this is where, where we met, is doing work with grandmother medicine, I started volunteering and chopping wood, carrying water. I was helping in the kitchen. I was cleaning buckets. I was helping people to the bathroom. And that sort of progressed and um, started developing um, guardianship skills. And soon after that, it was about a year, I guess, of, of training within a... Um, within a, a communal container of ceremony before I started facilitating um, it, as part of a group, I started facilitating ayahuasca. And I was also, I studied with being true to you and became a psycho-spiritual integration specialist. And I was leading group integrations and I was also taking on personal clients. And since that time, my, what psychedelic medicine has done for me has allowed me to get to the root of those issues that caused my drinking to begin with because here's the thing about my drinking and i was a i was a disgusting blackout you know drunk and alcohol was not my problem it was my answer it was my answer to everything it was my medicine Right. And I really believe that it kept me alive, regardless of how devastating the consequences of my drinking were. That sense of ease and comfort and peace and that instant, I can take a deep breath and I'm okay, that I would experience when I would drink, I believe kept me alive long enough so that I could be here with you. Mm -hmm. right? And what's, what's really interesting about you is you set these foundations before you even went to the medicines, which, you know, a lot of people come to these medicines and they don't have these foundations set, any of them. And you set a lot of solid foundations. So it, 
there had to be something about these medicines that you saw there was more to. So, because I think one thing AA does is it does teach you a good structure, but does it really teach you connection to your source? That's a really great question. And there are steps that are designed specifically around connecting to source. Step three, step seven, step 11. And my psychedelic work is the application of my 11th step. And so the entire the entire 12 step process, taking the lid off the pot here, the entire 12 step process is to get you to God. And, and I'm using the word God for simplicity and familiarity here. The, the, the foundational literature um, talks, uses the word God, great spirit, divine intelligence, realm of the spirit, divine creator. And so that whatever it is that's out there, that intelligent source that created all of us, right? The 12 steps are designed to get us there so that we can have a spiritual experience so significant that it brings about permanent recovery. That is my story. That is what happened for me. And there are countless people within the rooms, regardless of how earnestly they try, who do not respond to the 12 steps. They, they, may, they may or may not recover, like they may or may not be clean and sober or, or whatever, you know, qualifies them uh, in, within their own particular personal experience of, of what their behavior or substance use is. I think you dry drunk and you white knuckle for so long in programs like this. This is, I'm just speaking for myself, um, that it's until I found psychedelics and that real spiritual connection, that real source of there's something bigger, there's something better. I don't think I could have ever got it through that program. Yeah. And Bill Wilson even talks about the fact that many people do not respond to the 12 steps. And when he was 20 years sober. So let's talk about Bill Wilson and his psychedelic use for a of second. Course, Michelle, definitely. is that where you want to go? No, I, I do definitely want to go there. But I was just going to say what, what really struck me when you were talking you get chills all over me is when your your um, sponsor masterfully and she did masterfully say this if it brings you closer to the light or further away and this is really I don't know why I'm so emotional right now but this is a litmus test this is a litmus test for anything I think and here's what I found in AA <clears throat> I really found beauty in AA I found a really beautiful way to live my life I raised my children in AA and then I found that, that I was looking for something more. More. But during those 15 years that I had, I also sponsored people. And I would say to them, I don't know any more than you do. It's just been a little bit longer since I've had my last drink than you have. And I find that the similarities in this path that I'm now walking and the path that I was walking in AA, which are just go hand in hand, what is the most similar when I heard you say your first year is you were volunteering and you were doing service work? It's service work. It's service work. There's so many similarities. Yeah. And that is such a good point. Like there's, there is zero conflict with what I'm doing on my spiritual path. And in fact, what I learned foundationally within the rooms of 12 step fellowship, I, I carry with me everywhere. 
right? And they set they set a foundation upon which I can integrate my psychedelic experiences because I have tools and 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 like practical strategies that I was taught very early on that helped me stay sober to get and stay sober that I implement as part of my integration. I hope that people hear this message. And I know that that's why you're doing the work that you're doing. And I honor that because there are so many people in these programs who don't understand and, and have ignorance around this. And they they go hand in hand. And, and I feel the same way. My work, my many years of work in AA set that foundation and it goes hand in hand with the work I'm doing now. And although I don't attend 12-step meetings anymore, my heart is 1000% still in there. And, and it's still part of the work that I do on a daily basis with what I'm doing now. Right. And I think that it's also really important to, to note here is that psychedelics are not for everyone. And I am not advocating for psychedelic use and recovery. What I, what I, the, but the message that I'm sharing is in the interest of shining a light, normalizing the conversation, that it is in fact okay to do what the literature says, which is to seek outside help for outside issues. If there are things, yep. there are options, yes. Mm -hmm. And that if, if there are things that are beyond the scope of the steps, that are beyond the scope of the therapies I have tried, that are beyond the scope of medications I have tried, that anything is available to me and my uh, any any healing modality is available to me and for me i found that with very and mark thank you for speaking to this because i did i spent a lot of time making sure that what i was putting in place around my entry into psychedelic work was conscious and responsible and intentional and that whatever I was about to embark on, that I could protect my sobriety within that container. And that's that's what sobriety of the soul is for people. Yeah. Well, you know, why don't we jump into Bill Wilson real quick and then we can jump on microdose. You know, Bill Wilson did um, discover- Founder of AA. Founder of AA, did found AA through a psychedelic experience. Um, why that doesn't resonate in that community, I don't understand, but. Well, maybe um, tell us the story. Yeah. Tell yeah, us the story. Ha ha yeah, happy to do that. So Bill Wilson, um, this is in the 1930s, and he was um, being overseen by Dr. William D. Silkworth at Towns Hospital. Towns Hospital was a nationally recognized hospital for the treatment of treatment of um was a nationally recognized hospital for the treatment of drug and alcohol addiction. And Dr. Silkworth was the chief physician there and that's whose care Bill Wilson was under. And on his, it was either his third or fourth stay, probably his last one, um, but I don't know if it was three or four. So he was undergoing the Belladonna treatment and the Belladonna treatment is several medicines, including Hellbane, Belladonna, Blue Lotus was part of that protocol. And it's my understanding that that protocol lasted like 50 hours and they would dose them every hour for 50 hours. And those medicines c combined can be very powerful psychedelic medicines. 
And they their intention was to bring about hallucinations and delirium um, and delirium. So it was in that experience on the Belladonna treatment that he writes in his story in the big book that he was on the Belladonna treatment, that he had this profound white light experience where he is standing on the mountaintop and the sunlight of the spirit is pouring through him. And he had these visions of his um, grandfather, who was a preacher, preaching on the hilltop. And, and, it, and it was in that vision that he had the vision of one alcoholic helping another alcoholic to bring about permanent recovery. And Alcoholics Anonymous has such rich history and I won't go into it, but foundationally it was, a, um, it, it's sort of a spinoff of the Oxford groups and the the five C's and the, you know, uh, four absolutes and the, you know, all of this stuff. And Bill objected to a lot of the, the dogmatic nature of um, Jesus Christ and all of that. And so he wanted to make it a, a broader, more roomy um, fellowship for people. Anyway, AA was born literally out of a psychedelic trip. Now, fast forward 20 years, Bill has recovered from alcoholism and the fellowship is flourishing and he still battles, had a lifelong battle with debilitating depressive disorder, clinical depressive disorder. And he had recovered from alcoholism. He did not want to drink, but he was plagued by this depression. He was close friends with Gerald Hurd, who's a philosopher. He became, they, they corresponded for many years and sort of became spiritual um, advisors for one another. Gerald was friends with Aldous Huxley, who wrote The Doors of Perception about his experience with mescaline. And they were sharing with Bill about the good work that these two doctors up in Canada were doing with LSD and the treatment of alcoholism. And at first, Bill Wilson was very skeptical about it. But over the course of time, they continued to let him know, give him updates on the results that these doctors were getting with this medicine. And Bill's perspective started to change and he was willing to um, open his mind a little bit. And in August of um, 1956, Bill went to the LAVA hospital and had his very first LSD experience. And Bill, we know when it started. We don't know exactly when it ended. Lasted six to eight years, probably ended in a combination of things. He was getting a lot of backlash from trust the, you know, trusted servants at the mm -hmm. high level um, in AA and um, the war on drugs and yeah. prohibition. Isn't so that, amazing? All, that, that happened all, together. Yeah. It all happened right around that era. And then they put a caboose to all this. And now they really have done a lot of damage to society because of the regulations they caused. Like how can a natural medicine be illegal in the first place they jumped the gun they jumped the gun they jumped the gun and now i think we got to back ourselves away from what they do and do what we do and let people educate and inform and get these these 
stigmas away from these medicines. So let's dive into microdosing because microdosing is really picking up, especially with the the woman, the women. I think more so than men. I think a lot of women are jumping on microdosing, and I think it's. I mean, the science is there now. I mean, people are looking for a new way to heal. They see pharmaceuticals, antidepressants are not working. And there's not a one-size-fits-all. And psilocybin and microdosing give you that not one-size-fits-all opportunity. Let's well, I'd talk like to ab- hear about microdosing and recovery. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and what that looks like. And, I asked a lot of open-ended questions there. We'll come back to <laughs> target ones. (laughs) Microdosing in recovery. When did you start a microdosing practice? At what point? That was the very first entry into medicine work that I did. Okay. And I started, I started with a James Fadiman protocol. Mm -hmm. I, um, I sourced my medicine from a safe source and I blessed it. And I did all the things he told me to do. Right. I'm like brand new newbie person. And I'm like, how do I, how do I, (laughs) approach this in a reverent way. And that was what was the most important thing to me of all was to be in right relationship with what it was that I was doing and to create ceremony and practice around it. Our culture is very allopathic in take a pill to treat a thing, Mm -hmm. right? But there's no conscious preparation around it. And I did not want to have a take a pill experience and see what happens. So what I had learned is that if I can, if I can come in with very clear intentions that I'm coming in with reverence and humility, and I'm recognizing that I'm working with a spirit of a medicine, I'm not just taking from a place of of consumerism to fix something within myself, right? then then i'm on uh, then i'm on a good path and it's it's a it's a different experience holistically whether it's placebo or true that when i can spend time really identifying what it is that i hope to receive from the medicine questions that i would like answered things that i want to work on um and having one intention during a protocol is um ideal so that you have something very specific to work on and 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 that that was my entry into medicine work was was doing the James Fadiman protocol as far as microdosing in recovery i know that there's a lot of fear among people in recovery that if they take some substance that they're using while they are taking their antidepressants and their you know, ADHD medication or whatever, right? Or mm-hmm. they're, um, and this idea within abstinence sobriety culture that zero mind altering substances are allowed, otherwise you're not sober as we're drinking our coffee, eating our sugar and smoking our cigarettes or consuming nicotine in some way, right? All right. of which are highly addictive and mind altering. Here's the thing about psilocybin and psychedelics generally mm-hmm. is that they are non-addictive. Mm-hmm. And they do not initiate some kind of um, craving or compulsion. I do want to speak, however, to people who are in recovery who have uh, people who are in recovery have a natural affiliate um, affinity for altered states of consciousness. 
<laughs> and so there has to be a lot of consideration and safety measures in place if we are going to work with these medicines in a way to bring about long-term sustainable benefits and not to use that use it for something but to be in collaboration and partnership and allyship with the medicine for the furthering of our healing so i work with people who are in recovery and the very first thing that we do is identify what does sobriety mean to you mm-hmm. we have to go through a process of reconciling what it means to be a person in recovery who's exploring psychedelic medicines. That's the very first thing that we do. And from there, we develop our intentions. We put our schedule together. We work on calibrating the medicine and all of the complementary practices that we can incorporate that have their benefits for everybody and finding those things within our recovery journey that further deepen our experience. So let's say you want to deepen in your step work in a microdose protocol. Amazing. As the brain is lit up and neuroplasticity is happening and you know you're you're experiencing a greater sense of well-being and curiosity and inspiration and when things are lit up that is the perfect time to develop new habits, to do deeper dives into personal work. So because with the aliveness in the brain, it it can solidify and root in the experiences that you're having so that they can, in fact, become an intuitive part of who you are. Of course. I think that's what psychedelics do. I think you just nailed it right there for the most part. I think they just you put those new thought processes in and they just become new habits. You, you reform your default mode system. You know, that's what you're doing. You're erasing that and you're replacing it with a new, new thought process, new way of thinking. And this is what psychedelics do. And let touch base on something else you said about the, I I think psychedelics, and this is just for me because I don't have the medical degree, but for the most part, what I see, and I've been in this space for a while, psychedelics will show you your addictions, you know, psychedelics, Hmm. They won't, you You cannot become addicted to something you're being shown, if that makes sense. Right. Now, we can, like I said, people who are in recovery have an affinity for altered states of consciousness. So moving from microdosing into ceremonial experiences, right. it's very easy to fall into a, a pattern of ceremony after ceremony after ceremony after ceremony without really giving ourselves an opportunity to integrate and and integration is everything it's 90% it's like 95% of all of the that's where the medicine lives is in integration and For so sure. if we are just continuing to seek a peak experience and saying oh but i'm this isn't using we continue to seek and we're actually not giving ourselves time to make meaning of the experience that we had it can it, that's a gray line it can move into compulsive use while psychedelics themselves inherently are not addictive the affinity for altered states of consciousness can be very alluring and so part of what we have to do as people in recovery is to continue to take that litmus test Hmm. And 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 there there are three questions that I ask 
before I approach any medicine work, I need to check in with myself. Am I seeking to numb, escape, or avoid? If, those, if I answer yes to any of those, then I wait. If my approach in a microdose protocol or in ceremony is to do, a, is to do the deeper work, to be shown the truth, to get to the root of whatever, to address certain trauma. A year and a half ago, I, I spent an entire year in my medicine practice healing the mother wound, right? I did a lot of ceremonies that year, but it was very structured and intentioned around a very specific thing that I was seeking healing in, right? And so it, it, we, need to, we need to check ourselves yeah, and sure. check our motive and intention around the work that we're doing and to honor the medicine and to honor ourselves to take time, even if it's a year or two years between ceremonies. And it's also about making, as far as microdosing goes, it's making the the practice sacred. You know, like you said, it's not just about taking a pill and, and running out the door. I mean, when I work with people when they're microdosing, you know, we talk about that. It's, it's, you're, we're not looking for a pharmaceutical effect where we take the same pill, same time every day. Blah, blah. Right. I mean, I do take my microdose the same time every day, but as far as, as it's not a one size fits all and it is making the practice sacred. Yeah. And thank you so much for bringing that up because I think that is, that's a piece that is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, in as, as, we are in the middle of the psychedelic renaissance and ketamine clinics are sprouting up all over the place. And, you know, everybody's got a microdose course or whatever. In our Western culture where allopathic medicine and treating the symptom is, is so conditioned for everybody. I'm very much like you, Michelle, like I bring ceremony to my microdose practice. We have an opening ceremony you know, like where they're guided, my, my, my microdose, my microdose containers are in a virtual container, but we begin with introducing ourselves to the medicine. Hello, my name is Vanessa Kreitz. I'm the daughter of Irene and Richard. I'm the granddaughter of, and I say my grandparents' names, especially if I'm working with a brand new medicine or it's been a while, I'll reintroduce myself. And I'm like on my knees in prayer right? I have smoke medicine, either Palo Santo or sage. I have a candle lit. I'm sitting in front of um, some kind of like sacred space or altar that I've built, even if I'm traveling. And, and, and I sit, I sit and I commune and I ask, um, I let, I let the medicine know why I'm here and what I'm seeking support with. And I ask for its guidance, its wisdom, its protection, its justice, and its joyful participation, and that I may always, always work with it in a good way, right? And that's how I start. And every morning that we have, our, we take our, our microdose, we spend time in prayer and meditation, thinking about our intentions, either the intentions for that day or the intention, you know, we're bringing in the intention for the overarching protocol while we sit in reflection and we're journaling and we're listening to music and we're taking the time in devotion for ourselves and our path so that we can have a new 
experience of ourselves and and the medicine. It's all about respecting the medicine. So tell us, um, how can somebody get started? How can somebody find you? Let's talk about your program. Yeah, great. Thanks. So there are a number of ways to reach me. I do do one-on-one work where I guide people um, one-on-one and my personal website is vanessacrites.com. If somebody's interested in working with me personally, they can schedule a free discovery call. We'll do a meet and greet sort of coffee chat and learn about each other and see if I'm the right fit for them. And um, I do coaching. I facilitate one-on-one microdose protocols um, for people in and out of recovery. And throughout the Southeast, I also carry medicine. I'm a ceremony facilitator. I work with psilocybin and MDMA and um, not necessarily always together, sometimes depending on what the um, client is calling for. And so that's my one-on-one work. In the interest of harm reduction and personal and public safety within my beloved recovery community, I created a course called Sobriety of the Soul, which is an educational platform and group coaching program where people who are in recovery, all levels, by the way, like you could have a deep psychedelic medicine practice already, but be a person in recovery, and maybe you want to better refine how you integrate the two together. Or if you are brand new to psychedelic medicine and just need a guide, this is the place where you can do that. It it was designed for safe and informed entry into the spiritual and therapeutic application of psychedelic medicines in the interest of long-term sustainable benefit with this, um, with medicines. And so there are two paths. There's a foundational path, somebody who just is interested in the, in the material. And then we also have a guided path that includes three months of um, group coaching where they're in a private container with me and the other people in the cohort. It is, um, an evergreen course so people can sign up at any time and we have our calls ongoing. And this might be of interest to you, Michelle. Um, I felt a call. So I've been leading big book studies for 12 years and I took a hiatus for two years. And on December 23rd, I was sitting in an east facing window watching the sun rise over the mountaintop right before Christmas. And I got the message. It's time to lead again. And one thing that I had learned is that when when something is speaking from within, it it benefits me to, to be obedient to that. <laughs> and so I just put it out there. I, I'm gonna be leading again. I thought maybe 10, 15 people or so who knew me in, in that in that space would want to join. Um, within four hours, 60 people had messaged me. Within 48 hours, I had 120 people message me. And so I created a Facebook group and um, we, we have a big book study that I lead on Sundays at one o'clock. Um, Eastern time, and it's for fun and for free. And we do deep dive into the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We have um, historians and um, like people with 30, 40 years. Here's the thing that I love so much about this group is that I would say about half of the people are abstinence sobriety people. Mm -hmm. 
but with long-term recovery, right? The other half are people in recovery on a medicine path. And so here we are, people who normally would not mix, but there exists among us a friendliness and understanding that is indescribably wonderful as the big book. I've just quoted the big book. And th that is literally what is happening here is like people on all paths of recovery and spiritual awakening are coming together to, um, to learn this material, which is very exciting for me. Yeah. That's beautiful. So they Creating. can find that that's on Sundays, 1 PM. And this is an ongoing ongoing we ongoing. just started yeah okay. at, the, at the recording of this on january 24th we are just three sessions in and we're still in the forward so it's still and i i post replays in the group so anybody who can any anybody can arrive at any time and still get caught up and can somebody just jump in every once in a while if they want to yeah, or totally. something you really need yeah. to okay. they, they they can jump in anytime and if they really want the material, then they would just listen to the replays. Well, you know, the beautiful thing about, about that I found in Alcoholics Anonymous was that community. And it's, again, a similarity here. It's the community. It's the community, the psychedelic community, the spiritual community. It's, it's that community, and it's so important. Yeah, setting foundations and community. Well, Vanessa, it was great having you today. I love this subject, you know. I love your foundations you are setting. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, you you speak so eloquently on on these subjects and and you make it very easy for people to to bridge that gap. You're quickly becoming one of my favorite people, Vanessa. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Yeah. Please come back and talk with us again. You can find Vanessa. Tell us where we can find you again real quick. Yeah. One-on-one um, -on -one work, VanessaKreitz.com. And if you are interested in learning how to make a safe and informed entry into psychedelic medicines and you're a person in recovery and want a place where you can be seen and heard and learn um, how to do this in a safe and responsible way, then you would go to SobrietyOfTheSoul.com. Well, awesome. Thank you, sister, so much. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, one more thing. I have Go. a free microdose guide. Oh, very cool. A, a free recovery-informed microdose guide that I can also make available to your listeners. Oh, that would be amazing. Maybe we could put that on the plant medicine path as well for them to be able to find. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you so yeah. much, Vanessa. Great you. talk today. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Well, great show today with Vanessa, huh, Michelle? Yeah, she is she is such a, she speaks so eloquently and, and the way that she speaks on sobriety and psychedelics and the intersection of the two, she's amazing. We're going to definitely bring her back on. We're going to yeah. talk about some of the things she's doing. You know, she's a good bridge because myself being in that program for so long, you, you cannot talk about these things. You, you will be shunned. Mm -hmm, you will. Sure. And, and so it's just beautiful that she's druggie? doing this. Yeah, because you can't talk about, I mean, there's, you aren't supposed to be taking any mind altering substances, right? But let's talk about, like she said, cigarettes, caffeine, alcohol, alcohol, well, the but alcohol, you can't do alcohol, and alcohol is but the other things you're doing cigarettes and, and Xanax mm -hmm. and I mean, there's so many others. We've really been buffaloed, haven't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're here to spread to the word. Those silly people. Well, don't we have a psychedelic story coming? Yeah, I'm really excited. This is becoming my favorite part of this. I love these things. 
All right, let's see who we have today. Hey, don't we have to tell people to subscribe? Yeah, please subscribe to our please. YouTube channel, Medicine with the Metals. We got thousands of viewers. We need mm -hmm. you to subscribe. 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 It's just a conscious thing. Hit us. Boom. My name is Kayla, and this is my psychedelic story. Um, so I was really unhappy with where I was in my life. I was stuck in a real life loop and just finding myself getting caught up in drugs and alcohol and the cycle of the same thing over and over again. And I was just so tired of it. I didn't know how to move out of it. Every time that I did try to make a change in my life, the people that were significant in my life back then were almost like keeping me caged in the life that I was living. And so I found ayahuasca. Someone had just mentioned it to me. I had never really done psychedelics before, but I was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> um, and then I sat with ayahuasca my first time and she really showed me all of the patterns that I was repeating and that I kept feeding into. And really, I just had to make the first step to make changes in my life and to just jump. Um, I first drank about three years ago with ayahuasca and I have drank um, quite a few times since then and I keep coming back to the medicine because she is showing me little insights of myself giving me more access to myself than I didn't even know I had before or showing me things that I didn't know about me um, and showing me ways to integrate outside of psychedelics and what has led me to now is through my experiences with psychedelics I have noticed how much sexuality and sexual abuse and trauma that I had that I it was cracked open and now I've been able to work on all these things and where it's led me to now is that I'm helping others with sexual abuse and sexual traumas and how to reclaim their power and work with their own sexual energy. Um, I love ayahuasca and psychedelics and I think that they're very important for helping people see parts of themselves and helping them work towards improving their life and going to the next level so yeah but the most important part is to do the integration outside of the medicine and that's what i'm doing right now she was a good one yeah I, I love how she said that ayahuasca shows you parts of yourself it's mm -hmm. so true yeah yeah Definitely. it opens you up and it shows you parts of yourself that Maybe you wouldn't see otherwise. And understanding at that young of an age, too. It's pretty cool. And I love how she took her sexual trauma that she's learned about her sexual trauma and, and turned it to help other people. These stories are amazing.
If you want to tell your psychedelic story, you just have to go to uh, send a message to info at Medicine with the Metals. Shana and Brian will help you get connected to be able to share with us. And MedicineWithTheMetals.com on the bottom of there just to apply for a psychedelic story. Yep. Share your story. Yeah. We love to hear these and other people love to hear them too. They sure do. Yeah. What does it say? We have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. I tell my story every day. We love your story, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a beautiful show. We're going to be back on Monday with our Psychedelic Mondays. Mondays. I love Mondays. You can find us on the YouTube channel, Plant Medicine Path, Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Let's Don't talk about our affiliates subscribe. really quick before we leave. Oh, our affiliates. We have some of those. Okay. We have our new hape. Kutkita. Ooh, look at that hape. We're going to start promoting these guys a little bit more, yeah. too. Okay, then we have our gummy girls. We love, we love Mama love Dose. We love her. Microdosing, macrodosing. And we I have gummy girls. We're we like the home shopping network here. Yeah, we love those guys. <laughs> all right, this has been amazing. Thank you again, Vanessa. We'll see you next week. Ciao. Thanks so much. Ciao.